Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, thrilled to be here with you guys to wrap up the week. And there's a lot of news, of course. The news that broke this morning, we will start there, and that is State Senator Sharon Hewitt announcing her run for governor. So now she is, I think, the fourth officially in the race. You've got Jeff Landry, John Schroeder, you've got uh, Hunter Lundy is the independent that's running, and now you've got Sharon Hewitt. And I, I listened to Senator Hewitt's interview on the Moon Graffon show today, and I have some thoughts. Now, you guys know me well enough to know that I can be shy about sharing my thoughts, but I want to give you my my immediate take to Hewitt jumping in. Uh, It's not surprising. She's been telegraphing that she's going to do it for a while. But I have to know why. I do not know why Senator Hewitt is going to jump into this race because I don't know what she's going to offer that any other Republican jumping into this race isn't offering. Um, And there's really, if you listened to the interview, and this is not a knock against her, this is just, again, my immediate take on all this. She didn't sound very excited. You know, mostly, you know, when a politician comes on, especially if it's on Moon Show or Moon, they, they just go back and forth. There's some excitement there when they're talking about something they're excited about, like running for some office. And it's she didn't sound excited. She frankly doesn't sound charismatic. And I don't know who exactly she's getting excited for her candidacy in the way that she talked about her upcoming candidacy. This is the biggest day of anyone's campaign aside from election day. And she acted like it was just another day at the office. And then she said the key word, the key word that lets me know she knows this is absolutely a long shot. That's doomed to fail. She said, we're running a data driven campaign. Data driven campaign is code for We have no idea who our supporters are, so we've got to go out and find them. We've got to use polling and data and all this stuff to figure out who would actually support us. That's the kind of thing you do leading up to a campaign. You don't start a campaign and then try to find out who your supporters are. Because I'm going to tell you, Sharon Hewitt, conservative, Republican, hasn't really done much legislatively. Uh, doesn't really have too much of a record to run on nothing that she's really put forward, that she's really sponsored, that makes her truly a memorable person in the legislature. One of the things I do know, uh, talking with somebody earlier, is that they get, that she asked for the party primary bill. She She wanted to be the one to write the party primary bill and put that through the legislature last year, and she did nothing with it. She sat on it the entire session, never came through. Because apparently somebody convinced her, what's the point? You know, John Bell is going to veto it. Well, of course he was going to veto it. That was always a given. But you still write the legislation and you make him, 
you put John Bell Edwards on the record as vetoing a party primary. But you can't take one of the biggest issues that Republicans have with electoral politics in the state and just sit on it and not even try. So conservatives are are wary of her over that. But even if that wasn't the thing, what exactly does Sharon Hewitt stand for that isn't already covered by Jeff Landry or John Schroeder, who are both pretty good conservatives themselves? Schroeder Schroeder hasn't been much of a stand-up-and-fight guy, Except when it came to the ESG stuff, getting, you know, pulling out, pulling uh, state money out of BlackRock over that. But Landry is, Landry doesn't have to run a data driven campaign. Landry's got the data. He's the second most popular Republican in the state. And with John Kennedy not running for governor, he's the most popular Republican in the race. He has ideas. He doesn't have to run this, quote, data driven campaign candidacy. And Hewitt has to go out and find who her supporters are. The Republican Party, I think Moon is right, there's going to be more people to jump in. And I think it's going to really allow for the Republican message to get kind of muddled through all this. And of course, you know what's going to happen. Republicans are going to start attacking each other and it's going to distract from whoever the Democrats put forward whether it's Sean Wilson or whether it's somebody else, you know, uh, the, the democratic party chair, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, gosh, what's her name? Uh, anyway, the, the chair of the democratic party right now is, is very much saying that she's going to run. And she, she's putting out all the feelers that she herself wants to run. She just got named to the head of the D of, of the state democratic party and has decided, well, there's nobody else in the party who's going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and run brave. I just, I, I don't understand the purpose of Hewitt jumping in. I don't understand the purpose when you have two Republicans who have already announced, and you've seen what's happened in the last, the last couple of gubernatorial elections. The more Republicans you have jump in, the more muddled it becomes, and the more opportunity you have for a Democrat to back into the office. But Hewitt has decided she wants to jump in, despite the fact what I've been told is that everybody behind the scenes was telling her, please don't do this. You don't have a snowball's chance. Which is kind of funny because if she was told that a party primary bill didn't have a chance, so she decided not to do it. But she's told she doesn't have a chance to be governor, so she's going to do it. Why not fight for both? I, I, I don't understand. And this is a, this is a strategic blunder. For her, um, she can do anything else, but running for governor, I really and truly think is a mistake. And that's just my brutally honest first reaction to it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got some numbers as to who's got how much money. I want to talk about that and just kind of where the race stands uh, in the governor's race here in Louisiana. Of course, your calls as well, uh, 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, we'd be glad to have you on the air. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat and be glad to take your messages, respond to those there. We're going to take this break, and we'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. In fact, let's jump over to the line now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I talking to? Hello? Hello. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for taking my call, my man. I, I noticed y'all was talking about the governor's race and all that. Yeah. My opinion is I'm 55 years old. We never had election uh, two weeks uh, results. And we, we found out that night one. Yeah. long as you have mail-in ballots, the Republicans will never win. They will never win. Uh, you notice when Bill Edwards ran the last time, New Orleans was the last ones to report their numbers, and that's what took them over the top. New Orleans is always going to wait to the last minute to see how many votes they need to put a Democrat in there. That's my opinion. I, you know, I've heard a lot of opinions like that, but I've also heard from concerns across the country who are saying part of the problem is that Republicans, because they don't buy into the whole mail-in ballot and early vote thing, that Republicans, if they start taking advantage of that like the Democrats do, we can actually start to turn around and win some of these elections. What do you think about that? If, if Republicans start taking bigger part in the mail-in ballot? Well, we, okay, what gets me is they, they don't count, they don't, they're not going to count the mail-in ballots to election day. So how, why, well, I could go and request a mail-in ballot, I could vote, and then I can go that same day, the election day, and vote again. I could vote twice. Yep. You need to have a, you need to have a valid ID to vote, period. Mail-in ballots, you don't know who's voting. It could be people from other countries in this country voting. Let me ask you this. In China and in, in Russia, you can't go over there and have mail-in ballots. No, they ain't going to allow that. No. But this country does. You're absolutely right. Every other country in the world looks at our system and, frankly, laughs. We should be having just one day of elections. That I do not disagree with. But there is a growing movement among conservatives. Some of the, the big-name conservative talkers, not the establishment not types, but the, the big, hard-right conservative talkers are now saying, look, we've got to get on the ball with the same if, – if we got to play by their rules in order to win. And I'm not sure that's, that's a bad idea. So I guess uh, everybody should do like I just said. Maybe Request so. the mail-in ballot and vote and then go to the polls and vote again. Vote twice. Uh, I'm not going to endorse that's- anybody doing anything illegal, but – you know, I, 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 I understand the complaint. I do. And, and, and I, I think that the mail-in system is incredibly flawed, just like you. But I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I, in the ideal world for you and me, we have one day of voting. That's it. And that's all we'll ever have. But we, we can't have that right now because that's not the way the system is. What Republicans need to do is Republicans need to start winning by playing by their rules and then start changing the rules back to how they were and start being in line with the rest of this world and with the rest of the world. Because well, even Europe, it, even Europe laughs at us. Well, the Republicans ain't going to do that because we're not corrupt like the Democrats. The Democrats are corrupt. So, I mean, they got too many honest pe- Republicans. I- I'm sorry. But, you know, all this started after COVID-19. Because we never had mail-in ballots like in 2000, uh, uh, year 2000, 2004, 2008. Because I'm 55. I remember this. I, I never heard of mail-in ballots on, on, on other news stations until after COVID. Man, when COVID hit and they found out that, they, that you could do mail-in ballots, oh, my God. It, 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 it blew up. And there it is. And then they, you ain't going to be able to fix it. It's done. 
All right, well, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much for listening and calling in. And, and anybody else, 232-1542, uh, you can call in. Send a message through the KPL app chat. I will start responding to those during the next break as well. But before we go into our bottom of the hour news break, real quick, um, so Jeremy Alford sends out his uh, La Politics Weekly newsletter. And at the very top today is the lay of the land in terms of cash on hand uh, for Jeff Landry. This is one of the biggest indicators that Jeff Landry is the odds on favorite going in, not just because of his popularity, but also he's got the most money on hand right now. And I'm not sure Sharon Hewitt or even John Schroeder will be able to pick up $7.3 million on hand. I mean, he's got, he's got 5 million on hand just in his candidate account uh, he's got a leadership account with 1.5 million in it, the Cajun Pack Two. There's Louisiana Citizens for Job Creators, which is which is an unaffiliated super PAC that has 300,000 on hand, and the GOP Victory, Victory Fund, which is a fully affiliated support account with half a million in that. 7.3 million dollars that Landry has available to support him. The other candidates just don't have that, and I don't see them getting that. And that is again. Sharon Hewitt's not going to find $7 million. The donors are already lining up behind Landry, just as the party did. I'm not sure Schroeder, and I think Schroeder has a better chance than Hewitt. I don't know that Schroeder can get $7.3 million. All right, we've got a couple minutes before the break. Let's go ahead and take a couple other calls. Hi. I'm sorry. Hi. Welcome to the... Uh-oh. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. How are you? Good afternoon, Joe. Yeah. I, I, I'm a truck driver, and I'm, a, I'm listening to you on the KPL app, so I might be a little bit behind. But I, the, your last call I heard was talking, and I understand your point of view, but I support his. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm a truck driver, so I don't, I, I can't guarantee I'm going to be home on election day. So you know what I do? Mm-hmm. I make sure the first time I get a chance, I go to the electoral elector's office. And I go vote. I go vote in person, showing my ID early. Yeah. If we don't eliminate it, expanding it and playing their game is not keeping it honest. I think his point and my point is take take everything out the way, make it honest. Uh, Sean Hannity's talked about it already about in the military or those exceptions. But other than that, close every opportunity and make it level across the board for everyone. And and I'm not against that point of view at all. I'm pointing out just as kind of the devil's advocate side of that, what some of these other conservatives are saying about Republicans embracing these early opportunities and these mail-in opportunities. Like I said, in a perfect world, I really do believe that we should go back to one-day voting. But... I agree. I, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon unless good, solid conservatives can get back in power, and they're just not with the system the way it is. Thank you very much for the call. We do have to wrap it up for this segment. I see the other callers on the line. I, let me hold you over until the break. I'll get to your calls then, and also during the next segment, I also want to jump into what I think is one of the most important stories of the day, which is financial institutions going after gun dealers and gun manufacturers. You've heard about some of this before, but there's a new story out today that I want to touch on with that. I'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in. Let's jump right back to the phone lines. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's calling? Yes, Kent calling in. Hi, Kent. How are you? Uh, doing great. Well, uh, just touch base the last few callers. Uh, when it comes to election, I agree with all this mail-in ballot. It's a fraud. You're saying, well, it didn't really affect the last election. Oh, it did in the presidential uh, some states, Trump only lo- lost by 20,000 votes, something like that. So, yes, it did affect the election. I hate to break this to people who said it didn't. It did affect it. Uh, but remember, uh, the federal government is not in charge of the elections. That's why you, as a citizen of the state you live in, Louisiana, our state, is you pay attention to your state legislature. That's where the laws are changed at, at the local level. Uh, Absolutely. So that's why it's very important. You need to start paying attention to who your state representatives are so they can go to the state capitol and change the election laws. That's where it has to be changed. It is not federal government does not run elections. You're absolutely right. So that's very important. Yes. And, and, I, I and think, on a lighter note. Yeah. And on a lighter note, I, that's, I got that off on a lighter note. Uh, you know, if you're 55 or older than that today. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley dying. I guess it's kind of the last link to Elvis Presley. I know it's mm-hmm. it's a light, it's Friday. It's a light topic. Yeah, but it's sad to see things you grew up with slowly vanishing in your life. You know, it's just part of my life. I see uh, now has ended. Uh, people I grew up with. So it's sad to see, but I guess that's life. It is, and and I wasn't sure whether to go into I mean, because there there were plenty of, of hard news stories to go with, but. You're right. You know, that news breaks last night. And if if you saw her on the red carpet, she she was looking kind of rough again. I know she's gone through a lot. Her own son dying. Uh, and, and again, the last link uh, to Elvis, uh, it you know, I, some friends of mine and I were having this conversation about musical influences. And and, you know, without Elvis, you don't get the Beatles. A, a lot of people don't remember that the Beatles fashioned a lot of their music based on American rock trends. And and exactly right. And so you have that that black rock that black rockabilly music that gets adopted by Elvis Presley, which then gets adopted by the Beatles and, and that, you know, in turn uh helps churn out British rock, which had a huge influence on a lot of a lot of the musical genres we have now. So you can't understand you can't it, understate it, it, that influence. It did it it did affect it, and what what made it more uh, effective was Elvis was liked, so therefore he was able to the other artists, such as let's say Jerry Lee Lewis and the Beatles. They did not appeal at first, so Elvis was appealing. So by him breaking that, uh, breaking that mold, they were able then to come in. Yeah. Uh, behind Elvis. And remember, Elvis, you know, the Beatles got their foot in the door because Elvis had stepped away to serve in the Army. Mm-hmm. So that opened the door for the Beatles to come in in his absence. Yeah. Uh, so just just, uh, just remembering that. It, but it is sad to see. And, uh, you know, I guess life goes on. But it was sad to see. She was only, what, 54 years old. It's sad to see. It is. It's, it's very sad. And uh, when when she was rushed to the hospital, full cardiac arrest yesterday. It just felt like, you know, this this, this seems like it's going to be it. And, and, of course, you hate to you hate to see that happen to anybody. But, man, that's just, 
that that was a tough one, especially like like you said, for those of us who who know music history and just know the influence of that of the Presley name. That's just a big one. That and Elvis, uh, you know, like Elvis or not, the facts are uh, Elvis. He's been he's been gone now for quite a few years. Yet his popularity increases every year around the world. It continues to grow. Yeah. So that speaks a lot about the man Elvis uh, versus any other artist. You can't really name any other artist uh, that has still has years after their death that is still influencing. And that speaks of this. Elvis had his problems with his prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. But as a man, as a human being, his kindness, uh, no, that's why. Yeah. Excuse me. That's why he is. He continues to live on way up because Elvis was a very respectable man. Uh, he had re- deep religious uh, roots, and that uh, that was reflected in his life. Yeah. Uh, regardless of his shortcomings with his drug abuse, it still reflected the kind of man that Elvis was. And there's not too many artists that you can say that's going to be that are gone 20, 30, 40 years from now that people will still be uh, buying his music and touring his. It, it's hard. There's not. I don't see too many artists matching what Elvis is still doing today. And that was because of Elvis the man. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Kent, thank you very much for the call, and thank you for that. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. You have a good one. You All too. All right. Bye-bye. You know, that's, that's a very good point. Um, and, man, it, it, if I didn't have this story in front of me, which is an infuriating story that, that I, I want you guys to be aware of because it's not really making headlines other than uh, at this one website, uh, man, I would love to talk music theory. I'd love to keep Ken on the line or, or any of y'all call in with, you know, I love music. Now, I don't know if you can tell by the bumper. I've chosen all my own bumpers. And it's a it's a wide variety of different types of music for that reason. I love music in different varieties. But I need to tell you the story. I've had my friend Stephen Gutowski on the show before, and I wasn't able to reach out to him today to see if he wanted to come on and talk about this story. But if you go to thereload.com, which is the best site for Second Amendment and gun issues in America, the best reporting that you can find on the subject. Stephen Gutowski at TheReload.com has this story, and I made sure to listen to Caleb Morris on Firearms Friday on Acadiana's Morning News to see if he had, if he had picked up on this story yet, but it's not. It, it didn't really start getting out there until later this morning. Wells Fargo cancels prominent Florida gun dealers' accounts, implies it won't work with gun companies. You need to know about this story. Wells Fargo abruptly ended its business with a well-known gun dealer in a move emblematic of the increasing hostility big banks are showing toward the firearms industry. With little explanation, the bank closed the business and personal accounts of Brandon Wexler just before Christmas. After 25 years with a personal account and 14 years with a business account, Wexler was given about a month to find a new bank. As owner of Wex Gunworks in Delray Beach, Florida, Wexler has been cited in countless major media reports for years, but Wells Fargo said his business had suddenly become too risky. Wells Fargo performs ongoing reviews of its account relationships in connection with the bank's responsibilities to manage risks in its banking operations, the bank said in a December 22nd letter to Wexler. We recently reviewed your account relationship, and as a result of this review, we will be closing your above-referenced accounts. Another letter sent the following day informed him 
that Wells Fargo was canceling his business line of credit, saying the reasons for this action is banking guidelines excludes lending to certain types of businesses. But the letters offered no further details, and Wexler said none of the officials at his local branch offered any either. Wexler has been cited in stories by the New York Times, Washington Free Beacon, CNN, ABC, and many other publications and said nothing had changed with his business. He said he believes the move by Wells Fargo was motivated entirely by animus against the gun industry. And we've seen stories about this sort of thing before. What's going on is that the left has found it's not getting traction on electoral issues. It's not winning elections at enough of a rate to make major policy influences in Washington, D.C. and in state legislatures. So instead, the left has been working for a while now to move the ideology of CEOs and other executives in major corporations. The financial industry is a big one. I mentioned John Schroeder and BlackRock earlier. BlackRock has the most money in terms of assets in, of anybody in the world. And BlackRock is fully invested, no pun intended, in the ESG movement. The idea that we're not going to recommend investments based uh, uh, for anybody who doesn't have the right uh, energy sustainability and governance policies. It's an environmentalist thing. It's an anti-Republican thing. Banks are now doing the same thing, where many banks are now going after gun dealers, gun manufacturers, and saying, hey, look, we're not going to do any business with you. You're not allowed to have your money in our banking systems because we don't like the fact that you make or deal guns. And as a result of this, many gun dealers are trying to find new banks. This is, by the way, an opportunity for smaller and more regional banks to really step up and get good business because the big banks, having been taken over by the Wokes, are now out there punishing anybody who goes into a certain type of business, in this case, guns. And there is an argument to be made, and I heard somebody make it earlier, there's an argument to be made that because banks are part of, they're, they're federally regulated, and they are part of federal associations, that banks don't necessarily have that private business protection in terms of who they can and can't discriminate against. Let's take Masterpiece Cakes. Ma no, Masterpiece Cakes makes cakes for people. And the state of Colorado went after them. And the Supreme Court said, well, you can't, you can't show such harsh discrimination against this guy's religion. They didn't actually say he had a right to deny people, but he to deny people a service. He didn't say he had the right to discriminate, but he said the government itself was discriminating. But a lot of conservatives subscribe to that. And the Supreme Court seems to be erring on the side of, especially with this conservative majority, erring on the side of, yeah, you, you kind of have that right. 
But here's the thing. You don't need a cake. A cake is not vital to your existence. But a bank is. You have to have somewhere for your money to go. You can't just keep your money in a little burlap sack with a dollar sign on it hidden under the bed. Your money actually has to go somewhere. Your paycheck has to be deposited somewhere. Your savings has to be somewhere. If you want the chance to grow, your money has to go somewhere. It has, you have to be part of the banking system. You have to be. That's the way our financial system works. And because they are federally regulated and part of federal associations, I think you could probably make the case, just like the Supreme Court sided with the federal government on vaccine mandates for nurses at hospitals that receive federal money, I think you have the legal argument here to start pushing back. But in the meantime, you can actually take your business from those big banks and find a smaller or regional bank that will accept your money and will accept your business and start working from there. Because conservatives and people who run these types of businesses that are getting targeted by the lefts, by the wokes all the time, they need to start fighting back a little bit harder. And there are groups out there that will help you do that. You just got to find them. Your calls, your messages, and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment. We'll be back right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.